0: Welcome to Bible Study. This is Nick Krita, your host. I'm very happy to be with you again today and please stay with us. I have a wonderful panel again with me and I would like to introduce uh, all of them. I've got Helen from my right here. Hi Helen. Hi Nick. And Harvey. Hi Hi, Nick. And listeners. Good to have you Harvey with us and John. How are you John? I'm
1: well thank you Nick. Good to be here.
0: Uh, half of the panel—it's new actually for today—and uh, we are very happy to study today a subject which is very important. It's about debt, and how we'll uh, be able to manage uh, this. Helen is our facilitator today, and I would like Helen to take us through the uh, this subject of debt.
2: Thanks, Nick. Yes, as you were saying, today we're going to do a study about debt from the point of view of stewardship and we'll discuss uh, hopefully four main points as we go through about being a good steward in the form of debt and um, just very quickly for example good stewards do not give instant gratification good stewards live within their means good stewards say no to debt and good stewards invest in a future with god but before we get into that let's look at that word debt um john and harvey nick How do you feel when we mention that word, debt?
3: Well, it's one of those words, isn't it, that sort of leaves a negative feeling because debt is what you owe. And it's always nice to not be in debt. But we'll come to that
2: later, no no doubt. John?
1: Yes, I suppose nobody likes to be in debt. But I guess the most important thing is more about not necessarily just having debt, but how you manage that debt.
2: Mm -hmm. And Nick, what about you?
1: I believe, uh, as I mentioned
0: a bit earlier, in the time we live in, I think this is a very common thing, people to borrow things uh, for their uh, whatever uh, pleasures, if you like, or even needs. But the important thing is yeah, how you manage that. And what I'm more interested in than anything to see how the Bible teaches us mm-hmm. how to manage this thing, you know, because there are lots of uh, financial planners out there, but let's see how the Bible uh, reveals this uh,
2: kind of thing to us today. We've got quite a number of texts that we're going to share today, um, Nick, but just before I do that, I came across a poem written by Kate O'Mahony, and she's a mum, and she was attending a made-of-money group, and she summed it up this way she said debt hiding in the corner behind every door the shadow walking behind you guilt in every spend when you're alone your thoughts turn to hopes and dreams only to be turned into dollar signs the knock at the door the final straw debt we incur very quickly and the advertisers out there they know how to put it to us too you know we want to get this or we need that or whatever but you know also it's paying back isn't it it's all about paying that debt back so perhaps one of you gentlemen would like to read romans 13 7 and 8
3: render therefore to all their dues tribute to whom tribute is due custom to whom custom fear to whom fear honor to whom honor Owe no man anything but to love one another For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law.
2: Okay, well that's interesting. Render therefore to all Jews. What is it talking about here? Can we sort of, it's not just talking about money, is it?
1: No, I don't believe it is. Mm -hmm. I, I think the first part sort of harkens back to something Jesus said about rendering to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, to God what belongs to God.
2: How does it relate to us today? Well, Who's Caesar? <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot. Sure, here. No, no C- yeah.
1: Caesar is those who are in power. The Bible tells yes. us to respect those who are in authority. Mm-hmm. Um, they are there, they've been placed there by God to do a job. It's up to them how they handle that job in relation to responsibility God has given them. But mm-hmm. we should show them um, all, all due respect because they are in a position of authority.
2: Right. Okay. So does that mean we need to pay taxes, John?
1: Yes, <laughs> if, if that is if that's a requirement of being yes. a citizen of this country and, and, and mm-hmm. under our government, yes, then we yes. Are, we should carry our load and our share our share of the responsibility.
4: Mm.
0: I, I just heard the, that saying, you know, that at least two things are certain in this life death and taxes. <laughs> <laughs> and <Okay. laughs> which means uh, wherever you are, you know, wherever you live, uh, you are expected to contribute, if you like, to um, the well-being of the society. And uh, as John just mentioned out, sometimes uh, those taxes may be misused, you know, uh, badly uh, managed. That's why we are looking into Bible today mm. to see uh, if we have wisdom from that. And I'm pretty sure that if you look for wisdom somewhere uh, to find it, the the good place to look, it's in the Bible.
2: Mm, absolutely. Can I just pull something else out of that text? It says, Owe no man anything. That's very explicit, isn't it? But it also says, but to love one another. Why is love for others something that we owe? You know, it says, oh man anything but to love. So when I read that, it looks like we owe.
3: Well, Jesus himself said to love one another as if it's not just a feeling we have. It's something that we should express to each other, that we appreciate each other. And it's something that we really do owe to each other, to affirm them, to give them and understanding that they are of value to us and that's the debt i think we owe they are of value to us and so we should repay that debt by
1: appreciating them and showing our appreciation
2: what a great answer harvey sure. does anybody else want to add to that
1: i think what paul is getting here is that we have an obligation we have received so much from god in the way of his love and blessings and everything he has done from us we are then obliged or obligated to pass that on to share that love with others and we do that through sharing god's love and the gospel with them
2: so we're seeing here straight away it isn't just about money is it but predominantly the lesson that we're studying this week is talking pretty much about money and um i had a look at matthew henry's concise commentary on this particular text but he was saying christians must avoid useless expense and be careful not to contract any debts they have not the power to discharge well we have the power to discharge love don't we so therein is a difference but do not keep in anyone's debt give everyone his own do not spend that on yourselves which you owe to others So I thought that was a very good statement. And um, Harvey, I think in early writings, the book Early Writings by Ellen White, there's also a statement about spending money. Can you read that for us, please?
3: Spending money we don't have is the gateway for God's people to make covetousness and love of earthly treasures the ruling traits of their character.
2: Well, there you go. It makes room for covetousness, doesn't it? And that's something we really need to, to look at. Unwise debt often gives disastrous results. In what way? How, how is unwise debt, how does it affect us as people individually, as our community?
3: Well, I was thinking first in terms of families. If you spend money unwisely, go into debt unwisely, it puts the whole financial strength of the, the family at risk. and that can be disastrous in many ways.
2: So it can affect relationships very much, can't it?
1: Oh absolutely can. Yes. I think you can also have an effect on yourself, on your own self esteem, your self value. Self-value. If you feel you're always struggling and you're in other people's debt. It gives you a sense that you're you're not fulfilling your obligation to be a provider or, or to share to carry your load of your responsibility to to God and country. It's important for people to have that sense of that they are valuable, that they are contributing, that they're not having to rely on other people. And that's that's why it's dangerous to get into too much debt where you, you just can't get out of it.
2: Uh, and there is a number of people that have gone, gone down that road to the point of depression takes over you know exactly. there's the guilt there's when is there going to be a knock on the door I can't pay my debt back and sadly some people even get to the point where they decide suicide's the only way out and that's a very sad place to mm. be isn't it but in talking about borrowing from people um, which we need to look at in this lesson this week also there's a story in the Old Testament 2 Kings 6 verse 5 And we can see um, it's a story about the risk of borrowed capital. So can someone share that with us, please? 2 Kings 6 verse
1: 5. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed.
2: Okay, so borrowed means what? Uh, Very simple word.
1: Used with permission something that belongs to another.
2: Okay. well, we're assuming that he had permission. Uh, Some people borrow and they don't ask permission
0: another thing which i get from this verse is that responsibility you know i mean oh, yes. you borrow something i mean you are responsible to either to keep it safe in this case you know like to be able to return it back to the owner you borrow money you need to plan to have a very good structure in, in place to to be able to pay back not to be caught as we just mentioned earlier that uh, you may not be able to repay back That's responsibility it's a very important thing when you're talking about borrowing
2: yeah and the sad part too um nick going on with what you just said if we don't take that responsibility seriously it puts a wedge literally a wedge between our relationships with other people doesn't it mm. and um this uh, was the trouble in this oh sorry yes go ahead harvey
3: helen i think that this one the story of the axe head is a fascinating story in its own right, but when it says it was a borrowed one, I certainly wouldn't assume that it was anything other than with permission of mm-hmm. the owner. Mm-hmm. Because if it's if it's borrowed without permission, and I, I think the term borrowed is is uh, means that it has permission really.
2: Yes. Yeah. But
3: if it's used without permission, that's not borrowing. That's theft.
2: (laughs) That's exactly right, it's stealing. And I'm right with you here, um, Harvey, I'm listening to what you're saying, in that if it was, wasn't borrowed I don't think this man would have been quite so worried about it he would have just sort of shrugged his shoulder and said oh well that's gone now but he had that responsibility and it was interesting that he lost the axe the axe was borrowed this man went into panic mode literally you know what am I going to do and Solomon tells us in Proverbs 22 something very important about what happens to a borrower John can you share that with us please?
1: Certainly the rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is the servant to the lender.
2: Well, there you go. That's it in a nutshell, isn't it? Is a servant to the lender. So we owe. And until that debt is paid, we still owe, don't we? Right. Okay. But tell me, very simple question. What is the, the only reason we borrow money for?
3: So we can buy things.
2: Yeah, to spend it, isn't it? <laughs> so uh, I know that sounded like a silly question, but it all does boil down to that, doesn't it? You know, it might be you'll say, no, no, I um, borrow money because I want to put it in offerings. Is that what we should be doing? No. No. You don't borrow money to do that, do you? But we borrow money to spend things, literally. And it's it's a financial risk that we take. We presume that we have the ability to repay it and there'll be no financial surprises in the future. I'm smiling here because I've just remembered a little story that actually happened to me, I, a true story, happened to me just in the last week in that... I presumed that I would have the ability to pay back someone I've been having mega problems with a mobile phone and I guess a lot of people can relate to this and to the point where late one night at 8:30, I had to race out and get another one it wasn't what I wanted but it was what I needed at the time but I've been having a lot of problems with it and I had a, a young friend say to me just um, about a week ago she week ago last Tuesday she said oh look why don't you buy the one that you really want because now the shops are open and I will buy that one from you and you know I don't have all that money to go out and buy two phones and then last Thursday I thought okay she said she'll buy it from me I presume that that, that money would be coming and I happened to be trying to get another battery for, for another phone and this gentleman sold me the very phone that I wanted it wasn't mega, mega bucks, but for me on a pension, it was a lot of money. And I borrowed from a friend to be able to get it. So I had these two phones, presuming, of course, that I was going to get the money back. And then I could pay back what I had borrowed to get the phone. You are with me? Yes. Well, what transpired was that this was last Thursday. And on the Friday, I rang this person, fully expecting that everything was fine however she had just had a birthday and some friends had bought her a mobile phone the very day before she doesn't need two phones and i was left there just saying to myself how am i going to pay back this money i've just borrowed and i don't need two phones so you can understand that there was a financial risk that i took presuming that I would have the ability to repay and that there was, wasn't going to be any financial surprises in the future. Well, man, that was a financial surprise, I tell you. Still working through that one, but I'm sure we'll get through it. But we need to be very careful when we borrow because the future is unknown to us, isn't it? Ecclesiastes eight 8.7 is a good one for that. Somebody like to share that, please?
3: For he knoweth not that which shall be. For who can tell him when it shall be?
2: Well, see, borrowing money takes risk, doesn't it? Boys. Yeah, we do not know when we can get that money back to pay it. And we could end up in dire straits because then we might borrow from someone else to pay it and then the ball starts there. Okay, so the Bible does give us lots of wise counsel and free advice on how to manage our resources. God wants us to be good stewards as managers. Of not only our material resources but our spiritual resources. He does want us to live debt free lives. So we're gonna have a look at some of those texts that speak about debt and see what they say. Nick, would you read for us please Psalm thirty seven twenty one?
0: The wicked borrowed and paid not again. But the righteous show it mm-hmm. mercy and give it.
2: That's very old time English, isn't it, Nick? Sorry about that. But tell me in uh, or everyday language, what does it mean? What does that text actually
1: mean john I, i've actually read that one in a, a more modern version and it yes. says something like the wicked borrow what they can't repay but the righteous will always have enough
2: great that, that seems
1: it, to be a clearer yes,
2: that is much um, clearer thank um, thank you.
1: statement isn't it yes. but w- what i can see from this passage
0: is the link in between weakness and borrowing it's very interesting because you mentioned a bit earlier your story if you have if you are well intended if you ha- if you plan you know uh, for what you're going to do borrowing may be um, a bit easier to handle it you know but if you are set up if you don't know God put it this way and if you don't have that advice from God where this can lead you then you can be in big trouble. And that's why you see so many situations today when people borrow a lot and don't pay back. Even some of them premeditated, maybe borrowing money, then knowing that they wouldn't pay it back. And that's the thing which will lead to what um, we just said a little bit earlier, to all sorts of troubles in life, even to suicide, yes. uh, in, in some people's case. Yeah. I
2: think becomes this too sorry.
0: great, doesn't it? Sorry. No, go on.
3: Now, this text... Mm-hmm. If you read it on the surface it's a case of that it's not right to borrow. But that's nearly not really what it's saying.
2: No.
3: It's just saying really it's people that are dishonourable. It says wicked, but they're dishonourable because they're borrowing with no intention to repay. Yes. So it's theft in another by another name really, whereas it's not saying only those if you borrow, you're wicked. That's no. not really what it's saying at all. Good
2: point, Harvey. Excellent right. point. Okay, there's another good text in Ecclesiastes five five. John?
1: Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than thou shouldest vow and not pay.
2: So what do you get from that one?
1: It's foolish to make a vow that you can't keep.
2: Yeah, yeah. Especially if you know that you're not going to keep it. That is wrong. That comes back to what Harvey was saying. And you're better off
1: not making the vow or the promise in the first place. Exactly
3: right. It's Um, like making a financial contract that you can't handle.
2: Yeah, and it's not the right thing to do if you already know that you don't have the wherewithal to repay. Because as you said, Harvey, you're actually going into that transaction already knowing you're not going to pay it back, so you are literally stealing. Yeah. And, and that's, that's certainly not the right thing to do, is it? Okay, um, there's another really good text, Deuteronomy 28, 43 to 45. This is, um, this is Old Testament writing again, but let's see what we can get out of it. Thanks, Harvey.
3: The stranger that is within thee shall get up above thee very high, and thou shalt come down very low. He shall lend to thee, and thou shalt not lend to him. He shall be the head, and thou shalt be the tail. Moreover, all these curses shall come upon thee and shall pursue thee and overtake thee till thou be destroyed.
2: Well, that's an interesting text. Let's pull it apart. Anybody got some ideas on this one? Did we finish reading that or did I cut you off, Harvey? I think I cut you off.
3: All right. well, yes, it, there's yeah, another I'm, little bit to go. Sorry. sorry. Yeah. Because thou hearkenest not unto the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandments and his statutes Which he commanded thee again. Oh, which he commanded thee, sorry.
2: Again, what does this actually mean? Have we got some ideas here? You know, it's a long text, I know, but I think it's got some good counsel in here as well.
3: I think to some extent it's saying that if you happen to be the borrower, perhaps an unwise borrower, you're under somebody that actually you're borrowing from.
2: You've given them power. Yeah, you've mm. certainly
3: given them power and status that perhaps they shouldn't even have.
2: Mm-hmm. John, it's, you got any ideas
1: on this if, one? If I recall correctly, Deuteronomy 28 is the, the covenant blessings and curses. God had brought his people out of Egypt and, and, was, and brought them to the, the promised land and he made a list and said, if you uh, obey the, the commands that I've given you, then you will prosper, you'll be healthy, and uh, everything will be fine for you. If you don't follow my commands, then the opposite, the, the bad things will happen and you'll end up being in debt to those around you. I don't think God's being vindictive here. I think a lot of it was common sense. He gave them health rules. If you don't follow the health rules, yes, you'll suffer illness and pestilence. If there are moral rules, how you deal with other people in your community, if you don't follow those, yes, there'll be arguments and fighting. And so you're saying here, if you follow my common sense rules, life will be good for you and you won't have to be putting yourself into debt with other people.
0: Just to continue on on that uh, line, uh, John, because um, just some other occasions, you know, in our studies, we mentioned the prosperity and sometime prosperity gospel and how uh, people, Christians, they preach a lot about prosperity. But I would like to really lock it in with what you just said. Is nothing wrong with prosperity when God is promised us that He will prosper us. The problem is that Christians today they talk a lot about prosperity and forget about the principles, forget about the what God commanded, you know, God's commandments. If we are first of all interested in following God and keeping his commandments, yeah. God will bless us and mm. prosperity will be something given from God. But when we pursued uh, as human beings prosperity and honestly, if you look down deep in, in uh, our way of living, sometime in, in Christian life, you know, you see that man, God's law is not in place. And I, I just want to just emphasize on that thing because I, I thought it was very important what you just said,
1: John. Yeah, absolutely. God says he will bless us. And and there are instances in the Bible where he blessed people tremendously and they became very wealthy and prosperous. But I don't think God intends that for everybody. uh, The majority of people that have followed Christ and, and even throughout the Bible stories were just everyday people like you and I. They lived from day to day. They grew their own crops. They weren't hugely prosperous, but God provided for them everything that they needed and so they could get by. Borrowing and debt isn't an evil in and of itself but it's the way again that, that we manage that debt and whether we can be content with with what god has given us
2: yeah terrific john there's a great text in proverbs 13 18 which kind of sums that up a bit too Um harvey have you got that please
3: poverty and shame shall be to him that refuseth instruction but he that regardeth the reproof shall be honored
2: well that's a pretty good text isn't it Poverty and shame shall come to him that refuses instruction. God has given us some great instructions in in the Bible. And he will honor us if we honor him. And that's very clear on that one. God's promised to help and bless those who trust him and follow his counsels. And those who reject God's counsels and help, they will be in danger of poverty and disgrace. Well, talking again about your blessing and curses, John, if that was laid out in black and white... Why would you ever want to choose the curses?
1: I think sometimes people try? are just attracted to things. <laughs> they they want to have something they may not need it, but oh, they they someone else has it. Or as you said before, the the advertising and people think, well, maybe I can just do this and I'll and I'll pay it back. I can do that without realizing other things that come up. This. Anyone that has a family and a home knows there are always things that come up, things that break down, bills that come in. And if you don't make allowance for that in your budgeting, and, and I'm guessing that's where we're going to keep going to mm-hmm. at some stage too, that's that's where it can start mounting up. I was just thinking what uh,
0: John was saying, and I think, yeah, that's very true. And particularly, again, I want to say about the time we live in, you know, the end of Days, you know, as the Bible talks about, when people are so concerned about their own things and instant gratification, you know, like as we can call it, even if you don't need it, but you see that your neighbor has it. Uh, But people are probably under the pressure, you know, the peer pressure and uh, trying to do things which they don't need to do.
2: We used to call that keeping up with the Joneses. Mm. Um, And that's not always a very good place to be our ability to buy now and pay later actually feeds our desire to instant gratification doesn't it? We see so many things um, we used to call it higher purchase you know so many things that we can say okay I I know somebody who did their whole house that way everything was on buy now pay later basis and he and his wife ended up working two jobs each then he had to get a third job to try and pay it all back and eventually he lost everything and it was really really sad but good stewards don't give in to instant gratification is that right
3: oh absolutely true
2: yeah does that mean that we are not good stewards because we've suddenly seen something down the street and and we said oh i've got to have that does that suddenly take us disqualifies we're not a good steward
3: i think we have to differentiate between the concept of need and want absolutely and a need is something that we need for our existence basically it's necessary but too often today unfortunately people get into debt for things they want rather than things they need Mm. and you have to draw the line And, and there's very few things we actually need but there is an enormous number of things that we want the more we have the more we want
2: that's so so true. Um it is interesting just on a couple of points you mentioned, Harvey. There is so little that we really need. And by the way, when we ask God to help us, he knows our needs. He will supply our needs, not necessarily our wants. I do remember that um Billy Graham's wife Ruth Graham made the statement that I'm so glad that didn't God didn't give me all my wants, otherwise I would have married the wrong people several times over. And and it is true. And it is also true, Harvey, what you said, that we don't need as much as we think we need. I remember that when we first went up to Papua New Guinea and all our goods took a long time to come up. And... We were supplied by um, some church groups up there. They gave us a, some beds and table and what have you. But we had, I had taken one saucepan in my luggage, and it was a small saucepan. And we had two knives and, sorry, we had three, three forks and one knife. And, you know, I was amazed how well we got by with just that little bit I kind of thought I needed everything in the kitchen, but we learned to adapt. But, you know, there was somebody in the Bible that he saw something and he sold his birthright. He wanted instant gratification, and it was to do with appetite. Who was that?
0: Esau. Esau.
2: Esau, Tell me what happened.
0: And, Helen, just um, before we get to that, um, I think it's just the right time to take a short break. (laughs) And um, uh, we'll come back soon. And And we are going to deal also with uh, Helen just um, prompted us to, to think of, but also we are dealing with stewardship, motives of the heart. And we are going to also learn how to live within your means and how to say no to that. That will be after the break. Please stay with us. Don't go anywhere. was a wonderful song with some of our own people from here in Adelaide. June, accompanied by Robert. Jesus loves me. And it's so true that uh, without Jesus we can't do anything. And even in today's Bible study we are uh, talking about uh, how to manage Our own things finances and not only welcome back this is Bible study dealing with stewardship and uh, today we are looking at a very interesting subject
2: thanks Nick Uh, we just finished before the break we were talking about gratification instant gratification and too often we give in to the lust of the flesh and lose the good things that we have uh, there is a story, and the, there's several stories in the Bible, for example, on this. And you mentioned before, gentlemen, what did what about Esau? Who was Esau? G- give me some, just a little bit of background into what happened.
3: He was Jacob's brother. And because he was the firstborn, even though they were twins, um, he was the one that was entitled to the birthright, which is the blessings of the firstborn in that day and age. But it didn't mean much to him.
2: Uh
3: And obviously on one occasion he came in from the field because he was an outdoors person. He came in and he probably could smell cooking and he wanted it by hook or by crook. He wanted some of this food that he could smell.
2: And he wanted it right
3: away? Yeah, instantly. And he was even willing to give his birthright away to get it now whether he actually meant that or not that's an entirely different story mm. but the thing is he said yes you can have my birthright I'll have the, the soup or whatever it was that was mm. being cooked
2: so he was really unable to control his own emotions wasn't he he, he just his appetite took over yeah. and so as a result he lost
3: he lost his, his birthright birthday.
2: yeah yes. he lost his birthright how about Adam and Eve did they do similar things?
3: Well, even more a so, bit really, in a way, because it's what they chose to do. They chose to actually try for something greater, and they had everything. They were not somebody that needed anything, they had everything. But they felt that they wanted that one step higher than they were able to go, and they wanted to be like God. And so, and they were deceived, or Eve was deceived and she chose to eat the fruit
2: but which chose, had been said sorry. not
3: to be not to she be chose
2: eaten. something that didn't belong to her did it yeah
3: it's true yeah
2: that was and it was again instant gratification and the result was
1: what we have today unfortunately yeah. far-reaching consequences they ended up losing what they had yeah
2: absolutely there's also David in Second Samuel if you remember, David, he, his, he lost his inability to control his sexual desires and such caused him to lose his honor and integrity. Those that know the story know that David um, showed us that deliberate sin, in other words, focusing on our own selfish desires, may well lead to lying, deceit, cover-up, murder, far-reaching effects. You Remember, he was on the balcony, he looked over and there was Bathsheba bathing and instead of walking away, he lingered a little longer than he should have and hence he wanted to gratify his own desires and I, I remember reading somewhere that instant gratification is symptomatic of an uncontrolled mind and is an enemy of patience that undermines long-term goals mocking and injuring accountability so we have to be very very careful what we are desiring right at that moment to live for ourselves is the opposite of living for God
0: and I'd just like to just come back a little bit to the story of Jacob and Esau. Somebody is taking something for granted. You think, okay, it's mine. I deserve it. And I don't care about uh, anything else. Actually, anything in our lives which is entrusted to us, even if it's from a spiritual point of view, materialistic point of view, all, all other things, we are so responsible for that thing, you know. We are not just to take it, uh, uh, you know, carelessly but we are to to take it and in the case of Esau even though it was the firstborn, and I think he took it for granted that thing because I'm the firstborn, I can do whatever I like in the end uh, what's mine it's mine it's not the case mm. actually we can lose even we are called to be children of God and we are the firstborn, if you like you know but we can lose that if we don't uh, keep on track with That's that lose our
1: inheritance
2: In the Bible, who is the greatest example that we can actually follow about denying the pleasures of sin or instant gratification? That's not a hard one.
1: I suppose that would have to be Jesus.
2: (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. He showed us the power that he had to overcome sin, and it's a power that we also have, isn't it? When we study his word and we invite him into our life, and he then gives us the Holy Spirit to give us the power to Learn the principle to delay gratification, really, to put it in our, our language. It's a life skill, and but I believe it's, it's something that we can learn from Jesus. Okay, but let's just move on a little. We should think of our means not as income but as resources, that we have a responsibility to manage. And I think, Nick, that actually bears out what you were just saying about Esau. He did not take on the responsibility to manage the fact of his birthright. He did not take it responsibly. So mm-hmm. tell me, what is the key to being a good financial steward?
1: Uh, I think you, you've summed it up there, Helen, is, is recognising that the things that we have aren't ours, they are things that God has blessed us with and allowed us to have, and we have, have a responsibility to be good stewards towards those things, whether it be material things, whether it be our time, our talents, but we are responsible to God with how, how we use those things that he has blessed us with.
2: And that means that we should live within our means?
1: Absolutely, Again,
2: yes. as good stewards, no matter what is in our life. Does that mean that we should never borrow?
3: I don't think that is practical.
2: No, because I agree. in
3: this day and age, no one could buy a house, I believe, without yes. borrowing. I think we have to understand that the issue may be what house we buy or what thing we buy, but if it's something that we re- really need, and a ha- housing is a need. I believe it's a need anyway, but sometimes we have to rent because we can't afford to buy. But the thing is, if you're going to go into debt to buy a house, the number one thing should be that you have the capacity and the ability to repay without overstretching your resources.
2: Good answer, Harvey, yeah. In other words, Mm -hmm. we need to be very responsible when when we do it so tell me just on an everyday basis how can we actually be good stewards living within our means give me some practical things how can we do this
3: well one way you can do of course is to budget and that is prepare a budget of what you actually do spend and if you make a budget and you say i'm going to stick strictly to that budget it will certainly help you be a better steward i believe
2: Okay, all right. So desiring nice things is not wrong, but coveting them is sinful. Money's not the problem, of course. It's the love of money. But mm-hmm. if you look at something and you don't really need it, you say, oh, but it's a bargain. But it's not a bargain if you don't need it, is it?
3: I think you've hit a point there, actually, oh. because sometimes we see big signs up, save $50. That's absolute rubbish. <laughs> it's not save $50. It probably means spend $150. The fact that it was 200 to start with doesn't mean you're saving $50. Mm. You are, in fact, saving $50 if it is something you need and you were going to buy and you manage to get it $50 cheaper. There's a saving. But if you didn't actually need it and you spend to buy... You haven't saved $50, you've spent $150.
2: That is so mm-hmm. true that we don't often look at it that, do we, Harvey? Mm. Um, let's get back to the word budget. I, I've struggled with this over the years, I have to confess. I'm not a terribly good budgeter. I tend to – mine isn't so much buying a whole heap of stuff. It's just if I see someone in need, out goes the money and I'm not thinking. Uh, but um, how do we go about a budget? somebody's listening today and they're saying well that's all very well you say I've got to do a budget how do I do it let's be practical here
3: I wasn't actually saying that you necessarily have to make out a budget although that's a good idea in its own Mm -hmm. right but sometimes you have to think have to have that in your mind can I actually afford it with what I have to spend and we have a fairly good idea of what we have to spend on a monthly basis or a week by week basis But in actual fact, we should be able to say, yeah, that's outside what I really need. And I couldn't really say that I can afford that this month. Mm -hmm. Leave it alone.
2: Right. So really, a budget helps you to live within your means, but it can also help you to plan for the future. you agree yes Yes, yes. yes. yeah yeah and and that's something I'm not real good at so if you guys have got some hints after this broadcast (laughs) I'm gonna sit down with you guys but tell me something before we go on further there is something when we do a budget or we plan our, our means and and we're intentional what should be the first thing that we are actually putting on the top there what is the first thing we should desire or want or need and and if you're struggling with the answer to that guys there's advice in Matthew. Let's look that up, Matthew six thirty-three. John, have you got it?
1: Sure. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you.
2: What a great text. In other words, we had to turn to him first for help, aren't we? First and foremost, fill our thoughts with what he desires and what he desires in our life, and serve and obey him and everything, and actively choose to give him first place in our life. You know, we've dealt in the past in some of our our studies on the air, not just about well, yes, seeking the kingdom of heaven, but we've we've dealt with the text in Malachi where it says, you know, if you bring all the tithes into the storehouse, I will open the windows of heaven. You know, and God can he can supply all our needs and. If we're not keeping within our means, or if we're going out borrowing from this person, that person, and not realising we we don't know how to pay them back, it's almost saying, "God, I don't trust you," isn't it? From where I'm sitting, you know, we need to trust Him completely, and that means putting Him first in our life. Mark twelve thirty. Harvey, have you got that? Mark twelve thirty.
3: And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength this is the first commandment
2: isn't that a great commandment too but do we do it sometimes we we are we're loving goods and material things and self above god isn't that right we often we don't mean to true but as you say we'll see something and there's that instant gratification and and but then we've got to stop and say lord do i need it and is it within my means Because I believe a life with Christ enables us to control our resources and give God what belongs to him. Harvey, you're sitting on the edge of the seat, (laughs) bursting to say something. Go ahead. I was
3: just thinking, we have to not misunderstand some of these texts. Yes. Like that text which says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's absolutely true. But don't sort of get the idea, and all these things shall be added unto you, that as soon as you do that, everything's coming your way
2: that's a good point
3: because Mm -hmm. the things we need most is in fact a relationship with the Lord Jesus that part of our life will actually be enhanced by seeking first the kingdom of
0: God and probably just on that what Harvey just said which is so true you know for example if you trust in the Lord and seek the kingdom of God first everything will be added to you as you need not as you want. <laughs> and probably that's a big difference, you know, because God knows what we need. And God will never l- leave us. If we go through some hardship, is for a purpose. Sometimes, you know, God knows why we're going through some hardship. And that's the, for me, in these studies, that's the crucial point. To understand that if we are trusting in God,
1: God knows what's best for us. But I just think, in relation to these last two verses, it's it's very easy to compartmentalise your life and say this part is where God is, and then you know the rest is work mm-hmm. and play and everything else. Whereas this verse is saying God needs to be part of every part of your life, and when He becomes part of your your whole lifestyle, He then not only gives you the ability to think and logically and, and run your life clearly, including budgeting your finances but it helps you to be content with where you are and what you have and to enjoy and see the blessings that you have that aren't necessarily gain in that respect. There are are a lot of things that God can do for us and and help us to be content with that, that have nothing to do with material things.
2: Thank you, John. Great answer, great answer. Good stewards say no to debt. Would you agree? Say no to debt. Well, let's have a look. God actually said that we shouldn't. Let's have a look. Deuteronomy 28.12. Just very quickly, let's have a look at that text, please. Deuteronomy 28.12.
3: The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven to give the rain unto thy land in his season, and to bless all the work of thine hand. And thou shalt lend unto many many nations, and thou shalt not borrow.
2: Okay, so we don't need to borrow from others, according to this text. Trust that God will meet our needs, even to help us lend to others who are actually in need. But let me just state that debt may not be immoral, but it doesn't strengthen our spiritual life if we have gone overboard into debt. It can be a financial bondage that makes us a servant to the lender. So we need to be very careful not to go into debt, especially for things that we don't really need.
0: And just on, on that, um, uh, from that text which we learned that God will take care of us again and again. You may heard about those stories, miracles happened for God's people, and I've seen it with my own eyes. I know um, a person who planted his crop, and he knelt, after he finished planting his crop, knelt on the ground and prayed to God that God will send rain for that crop, and was blue sky day, it n- was not forecast for rain for that day, and we were all amazed to see how God just came with a, not just a, a sprinkle of rain, <laughs> but pouring down rain. Now, I heard about that even in the Bible. I heard about a story when some even damages to the crops came across, but was spared some of the um, land, you know, for God's people. And when we think about all those things, we say, ah, no, that's that's just, you know, stories. That's the problem, I believe, because we are self-sufficient rather than dependent on God.
2: I was thinking about what you were saying. That is so, so true. So, so true. I've seen lots and lots of miracles from God as well. And by the way, if God doesn't meet your need how you think it should be met, that does not mean you don't have the faith. It means that God's got something better in mind. Question guys, um, does God want us to be poor? No. Okay, give me a text for that John. John, just say no, let's back it with a text. Have we got a text? Harvey, you just said something to me a moment ago, what was that text in Deuteronomy?
3: But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. For it is he that giveth the power to get wealth.
2: Well, okay. Well, that doesn't sound like he wants us to be poor, does it? And what about Proverbs thirteen eleven?
1: Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labour shall increase.
2: There's a great story in the Bible where, or a great, um, sorry, proverb where God tells us to go and study a little critter. A little, tiny, little critter. And I tell you, I'm fascinated by these little critters. I have watched them, and I have seen them being very industrious. I've seen them with a piece of food where they've, they, one has tried to move it, couldn't do it, and runs back to the nest, gets another helper, and couldn't do it, and went back until there were four of them around this piece of scrap food, and they moved it together. What does God tell us in Proverbs? Where do, where do we need to go?
1: He says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest.
2: Yeah, thank you. So we can learn a lot from the the little critters that God has has made. Managing money um, really requires wisdom, budgeting and discipline. Do you know, if all we do is save for ourselves, we are actually really pilfering God's possessions instead of stewarding them. So what would be the most secure investment that we can do? We talked about a moment ago. It's investing in the kingdom of heaven, isn't it? Where there are no recessions, risks, thieves or market downturns. It's like having a purse or a wallet that will never wear out. So we invest in the future with God because we love him. Isn't that right? And we understand this world is not going to last forever. So can you give perhaps... I think in summary, because it's nearly time for us to finish, let's just look at some practical steps that would enable us to place God in his kingdom first. We talk about putting God first and, you know, that sounds all very well. But there are some listeners perhaps that are saying right this moment, okay, that's all very nice and dandy, you guys, but how do I do it? How do I do it in relationship to this whole Bible study we're doing today? John, can you give us one?
1: Um, I think... Stopping and seriously looking at, at, at what you are doing and where you're going, and getting your priorities right.
2: Good point. Good point. Um, as somebody once said, that we need to be ruthlessly honest in identifying the idols that we have in our life, the motors of our heart. What's consuming our attention and our time? That is taking our shift or our focus from from Jesus. Nick, you want to say yeah, something? Yeah.
0: Uh, another thing which I like to point out is that this is a daily decision. This, you know, uh, borrowing or being in debt—it's a daily decision. It's not something which you you put your hands in the in the bucket, you pull it out, and think, okay, we'll see what happens later. Now, we need to be concerned about, and somebody mentioned here about uh, planning, budgeting, uh, and do all those things to see how far you can stretch.
2: That is such a good point. Yeah, such a good point, Nick. Sometimes I've heard people that'll say, "Well, I try so hard." especially in light of what we've talked about today. I try so hard. It doesn't work. The devil makes me do it. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and that sounds funny. You know, when my child was little, um, he wanted to go and peel the sweet potato with the girls. And I said, be careful. The knife is sharp. And I remember, well, the peel is sharp. He climbed up on a chair. I was out the room. The girls were looking after him. Next thing he came to me and his... Uh, the peeler had peeled off part of his thumb and he stood up there and he said mummy the devil made me do that and he was so sure of it but seriously if you are having problems what is a good text that we can go to to help us to resist the devil I think there's a well known text in scripture
1: yes yes Thanks, John. I think you're thinking of the ones resist the devil absolutely. and he will flee from you
2: mm-hmm. absolutely but the, the start of that verse says draw nigh to, to God, God. And that's the key that's the key because he's the one that enables us to resist our instant gratification he's the one that will give us the wisdom james James tells us if you lack wisdom is ask him ask, ask mm. him and and I think it's good if we can find Bible verses that speak to our own personal situation and then claim those promises
3: we've talked about tithe previously it's certainly been my experience as malachi three ten says bring you all the tithes into the storehouse mm-hmm. and it's one of the few texts in all scripture where god says test me try me out and it's certainly been my experience over the years that by giving tithe or returning tithe it's i suspect nine tenths with the lord's blessing is much better than ten tenths without it
2: oh absolutely hey, i love it
0: we are to come with a um from God, from the Bible, with a bit of advice, you know, uh, to, to the listeners, which may uh-huh. uh, face right now some of yes. these difficulties. First of all, what I would like to say is that anyone who's in a situation of um, struggle in one way or the, or the other is to ta- take action. It's uh-huh. not just to sit uh, back there and thinking, oh, what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do, you know. Try to find out answers, you know, and first of all, we talked about counsel from the Bible here, how God uh, is teaching us that if we are wise to do things in the right way, we will be the head, not the tail, you know, in uh, yeah. even in this uh, regard of uh, money borrowing and stuff we discussed today. And that's one of the things which I would like to encourage uh, our listeners to take action you know not to be afraid even to speak up you know for those things you know share their hmm. situation and learn from other people it's a great thing to to find the you know the wisdom from the bible but also
1: from the relationships we have which we can trust
2: john did you want to finish with
1: something i was just thinking you know you said you, you need to be decisive you need to take control of your life um it, it might be you you find something that you can't handle there's there's nothing wrong with going and asking someone else there are good people there are good agencies around that can help you with these things if if you can't manage it yourself too and of course you can always ask god who will always be there to support you
2: absolutely is god big enough to handle every situation i should every, hear a resounding yes in, in this room yes. yes and he will enable us if we surrender our lives to him and surrender the situation to him he will enable us to make those right choices And we need to also be grateful for what we have. An attitude of gratitude goes a long way as well. But, you know, at the end of the day, debt is debilitating, isn't it? Debt is debilitating. It's a disease thousands of people face on a chronic basis. And many people find themselves so enslaved to debt. And therefore, they're constantly thinking about money or the lack of it. And Jesus wants us, my friends, to be free of debt. So we need to ask him to show us a plan to become debt free. And so we can live a fulfilled and an abundant, more abundant life.
0: Thank you very much for uh, your contribution for uh, this Bible study today. I pray to God that uh, God will be with you and helping you out to keep walking in the footsteps of Jesus and uh, serve him. To our listeners, I would just like to say, don't forget, be a good steward. God will take care of you.